Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I've been, I've been playing a lot of Halo. I played some Halo with uh, Connor and Peter last night. We got to get on Halo together. Because I, I, got, I got that Xbox what's, too. What's your gamer tag? I'll, um, I'll fucking add you right now. Yeah, I know. I've def- I definitely added you. I added you and JPC. Oh, um, well, let's. Hey, I'll I'll go home right after this and play some fucking Halo. Let's go. Let's play Halo right now. Why are we even doing our jobs? Uh, speaking of your which, job, hey, hold on. This is two people's only job in this hey, room no, right now. I have one other job that's also a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My wife gets paid a consulting fee. Uh, who? My wife. Thank you. We rent Johnny from (laughs) Jessica. When we left Travis last, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you just kind of were in Oromar's kind of spiritual mind palace, um, getting a little bit of a, a pep talk from Draft <laughs> on how to do what it is you need to do to control this body and move. You like kind of awakened to find yourself tied down with vines and I, I think one of the weird things like you opened Oromar's eyes and you vaguely have an understanding kind of of how you would activate those eyes and use them the way a, a person would perceive with their eyes but right now what you are doing like it, it's a little faint you are looking through the open eyes almost like a spiritual window where you can see out of the spiritual world into the physical it's it's a lot hazier to do things this way but like you don't have to go through the process of you know activating the eyes to actually look through them everything is like really complicated but like what you see is like looking around you you are kind of bound to a wall with the vines that have overgrown this body i mean so first thing I want to do is look around and see if I'm alone or perceive if I'm alone. Yeah. Um, so this is interesting to do this. Are you going to just like spiritually kind of look around um, or are you going to try and activate the eyes and head to move them so that you can look around? I think I want to try and move my current head. Okay. Okay. I need you. 
to make a gosh, I guess this is a divine check. And this would this be Oromar's divine or Travis's? This is interesting. I mean, this is an interesting concept because we get to like what 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 is a person? <laughs> you know, this body think... is equipped to do it, so maybe it makes it easier. But uh... mm. but is it is the it body that's doing it, or the or the whatever is in the body? I say that again, Johnny. Is it the body that's doing it, or is it? I here's okay. I think that the body is used to doing it. Here's my. Here's what I propose, and f- feel free to not mm-hmm. not accept this. I think I roll with Travis's divine, but uh-huh. I get a blue because the body is used to doing it. Interesting. Interesting. W- what is Travis's divine skill? Has he put anything into um, it? I have two greens. Two greens. Okay, so that means you haven't you haven't put any skill mm-hmm. into it whatsoever. And then Oromars is two greens and a yellow. Okay. Um, I kind of think we'd be using Oromar's stat because it's his physical body mm-hmm. and your skills. So I think it would be at the end of the day, three greens for you. Mm. Okay. Three greens. And I'm going to say this is an average check. And that is kind of accounting for the fact that you said earlier that the body is kind of used to doing this. Mm-hmm. That is one success and two advantages. All right. One nice. success, two advantages. Okay. Like two things happen. You activate the eyes and you have the sort of disorienting experience that Oromar has where you are seeing things physically like you you enter a physical space but also kind of at the same time perceive things spiritually and the first thing that you notice is that what you are perceiving is different like that's your advantage is that like you you the success is you are able to move the head you're able to like activate the the visual centers of this brain and move as as you need but your advantages are you had this kind of distinct look as you were looking through the spiritual windows that are the eyes of what the outside world looks like and it is different now when you look around you can see yourself it's as though you are like tied down almost in like like a prison type setting it, it's odd uh it, it appears to be made out of like bits and patches of like indistinct memories like like you can see as you are looking physically through the eyes like things that look familiar to you um and the body that you're in keeps fading in and out whether it is oromar's body or your body but in the spiritual view you see Oromar's body. It is physical and resolute. And you see vines crisscrossing around you. And they have these vibrant purple blooms uh, coming off them. These beautiful flowers. But I am... There's no one else here with me, correct? There's there's no one else uh, there that like you can see immediately. Like, you are... On a wall, there is like this this 
line of like trees in front of you, but you're not high enough to see over them. Uh, but you can tell that you're also like kind of off the ground. Okay. I want to try and get loose from the vines. All right. You have, or like this is physical. So I think this would be entirely done with Oromar's stats. Um, so how do you want to do that? Can I reach the sword or is that, am I too like strung up? You are restricted right now. Okay. Um, but the one thing I know about Ormar is he's extremely strong. Um, so you might be able to move. It would be, I think it would be a hard check to grab your sword. If you wanted to just sort of like Hulk style bolst, uh, you know, bust out of the vines, it would be like a, a daunting check. But I think like just trying to struggle to move your arm to the sword, I think is, is just hard. Then I'll do, I'll do that. I'll try and get the sword. Um, so would this be just like a, I feel like athletics. Okay. That is three advantages. Okay. So you don't manage to succeed at the thing that you were trying to do, but something advantageous happens anyway. I, (laughs) I think you pull like, like, like you activate the arm and you pull against the vines and like they start straining and snapping kind of immediately and you reach across your body towards the sword that's at your hip. But the momentum of that, I think, carries you forward to where your torso like rips free of the vines and you are like hanging down now out of those vines. But it is like sort of a ragdoll thing. The, the, the muscles that are activated are your arm muscles and they are not your they're not the rest of your body so like your torso is hanging limp so you've got this free arm as you sort of flop forward out of these vines how how far am i from the ground uh yeah you looking down now you can see that in both instances in like this sort of prison this this vague prison that you feel that you're in and the the field of of vines and flowers you are like maybe three feet off the ground from like your feet above the ground sort of thing um now that my arms are free can i try and just like hulk my legs out like use my arms to rip the vines off my legs oh yeah yeah definitely okay um it's it's still gonna be a hard athletics roll but like yeah you're taking a different approach to roll so that is one success and one threat. Okay. I think part of this is like we we cut back to like a mansion view as you are like trying to do several things because this is not the ease with which a spirit would normally move a body. You are trying to like pull levers and things and like these spiritual strings that you're pulling on are, are more sensitive and less sensitive at times than, than you think they will be. You grab the roots extremely hard and you pull and at first it's not enough. And then you pull again and it's way too hard. They rip off the body falls and there's just an impact where the nerves of the body are trying to like contact the brain Normally, Ormar does not feel pain that his body would normally experience because, like, it, it's not useful. If you were to turn on pain sensation for Ormar, like, there are a bunch of things that are, like, out of place and have been put together temporarily. If the body were to actually sort out those sensations, there would be no way that it could interpret it but pain. 
So instead, it just makes sense to like, well, I will, I will not feel these things because uh, why would I indulge that pain when I simply don't have to? When you engage with certain parts of the body, you are not aware of how to disengage from that initially. So you just get a shock of pain that like gives you a strain, first of all, and you have to like pull back from it really quickly. And like as you do, like the the vision of like this this vague prison setup pulls away and like you just see this odd camera angle of of your eyes being open very close against these vines because you've kind of flopped face forward onto the ground um can i try and stand i think so i am gonna call for one more divine check and this is gonna be i'm gonna make it hard but if you succeed at this, it will be kind of like the general non-specialized mm. coordination roles that you need for the remainder of the scene. Okay. That is three successes and two threats. Wow. What I think this means, you will, for the remainder of the scene, anything that is like normal coordination is just going to be successful. We're not going to have to roll for it. To do actions that are specialized, like combat actions or whatever it will take too strain from you every time to focus on it okay that seems fair fair enough cool cool all right so describe like how travis makes oromar stand up what does that process look like i think he spends a few minutes sort of on the ground and very slowly, I think now that he's not like stuck to a wall he's very slowly sort of like pulling at the marionette strings kind of and like making you know kind of pulling one seeing what moves like maybe seeing a finger twitch like pulling another one like okay that's the pointer finger maybe this one does the pointer finger on the other hand but then it accidentally like lifts the whole arm up you know just like (laughs) i think it i think it takes a bit to sort of like make a mental map of the whatever like pulleys and and crazy stuff is going on but eventually is able to stand up and i think it i think that the way it looks when he moves is a combination of like almost like the the frankenstein's monster like just like really stiff but then i think eventually as he gets more used to it and sort of is mapping the way that Travis normally moves onto this body. I think it almost looks more like the way that Chris Kattan moves in the film Monkey Bone. Oh, great. Yeah. Hmm. Great poll, Johnny. (laughs) You're going to have to be more specific than me. We would love... (laughs) I remember watching Monkey Bone as a child and thinking, man, I hope someday I produce a piece of art that evokes this film oh it's just very like um it's not at all stiff but there's still not a lot of control over the body Mm -hmm. so i I think that is like like very ragdoll description yeah okay yeah like a monkey bone is like just unfortunately exactly the perfect description of what's (laughs) happening here yeah so it's definitely definitely like not a lot of control or precision but l- less of that Frankenstein's monster. 
And I think and this, there's got because Travis has that sort of like swimmy laziness about moving. Yeah, that's true. Man, this means that in a live action version of this, the actors that play Travis and Oromar must be dancers. Mm. And they will not only have to at one point physically embody the way the other moves, but whoever's Oromar will need to be so good at fine muscle control, like robot style dancing (laughs) to pull this off, which excites me a great deal. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is a very, like, it's both comic and eerie the way that it unfolds. But the end of the day, Travis stands up in Oromar's body. And it hits a point where you're like, hey, I think I got the hang of this. Now I want to see if there is any way that it seems like I could... No. First, what I want to do is I want to try and talk. First, I want to try and whisper because I don't exactly know what the deal is. So I don't want to just call out for anyone, but I also want to understand how to talk so that if I need to, I can. So, yeah, I just want to try and say, like, you know, is this thing on or something like that? This is a daunting check. It's moving fingers and limbs and whatnot, getting the spine to balance itself. Like you can see whatever it takes to make the body balance itself is a automatic and complicated like web of magic that has both marks of Dref and Oromar's handiwork on it. And the levers that you're, you know, the strings that you're pulling to make the rest of the body move are like kind of big and obvious And then there is this tangled mass that is the vocal cords. It is wild. They can move in so many different ways. And it's not just the vocal cords. It's also the tongue, the mouth, your your jaw itself, your cheeks, your lips. There's so much involved in this. So this is absolutely daunting. That's four purple? Mm -hmm. That's four purple. Against my three green? Against your three green. I think I can do it. (laughs) That's Travis Matigo, baby. Oh, that's a man. That's a complete wash. So, uh, a thing that you find out almost immediately is uh, <laughs> this clearly needs something beyond your own control to operate. Even if you understood how the movements worked, nothing would occur, and then you mm. remember the sloshing sound that came out of Oromar the first time Mm. that he actually spoke after having died. Oh, this is... Because we hit a wash. Yes. I had to draw a loop. You motherfucker. There's absolutely no way. I just did it! You were in the room with me! I don't know, man. At this point, I think... The wettest card in the deck. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Drippy. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it was it was the changeling. I don't think it anyone was the said changeling. It mm-hmm. I was here. You could have seen. I was looking at the. <laughs> yeah, I would like to change the dry to wet, please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to tell what that means in this circumstance. Oh, I have an idea. Uh huh. Is there wet in the stomach of the captain at this moment? Mm-hmm. Hard to determine. Okay. Because ah. uh, if, if there was previously ingested wet inside, <laughs> I would like to 
try and get the wet up and Lo- back? Log- logically, yes. The, the scene that happened before we all got moved elsewhere was Oromar visiting the family Kessler, to which he needed to be able to speak to do that properly. Uh, you have been upside down for a while, and uh, mm, so peristalsis is probably not something that you have control over. So a lot okay, of that has probably so... fallen out of you. Fair enough. I think rather than looking for how wet interacts with uh, uh, we're, we're still saying wet <laughs> we're still saying wet mm-hmm. I, I think like what I'm gonna rule the yearning impulse and will the last word that Oromar said aloud before this change happened is what comes out in this moment and I think Travis will be able to notice exactly like how damaging this could be just because like things are dry right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll take another strain as you say this word and we'll ask Nathan what the word is in a second, mm-hmm. but the body will pull from Travis spiritually to repair necromantically the damage that is caused by saying this word. Nathan, what word are you going to give? Said Travis? more hoarsely than probably what my voice box will currently allow. You get a, Mm. I feel like it it comes out almost sounding like when you like scrape your fork or a knife on the plate Mm. where it's like Mm. you don't mean to go that far in you know you're like trying to cut something you don't mean to go that far and that's just sort of what happens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you get a bunch of like pain data as well not that it means anything to you but it sure did something (laughs) So I, I take a mental note. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put a pin in that one <laughs> until I can find some wet. <laughs> um, now I want to try and find a way out. So wandering forward, like, like you push through this small grove of trees and you find a clearing. And I want you to make a perception check. It will be of average difficulty. Okay. Ooh, not bad. Okay. That is two threats. Okay. I perceive okay. nothing. Okay. No, it's weirder than that. <laughs> I think the vision, like Ormar's vision, reconnects itself to yours and starts to overwhelm what you see purely spiritually you're you're in this prison cell you walk forward to what you know is a grove of trees and it's like almost like magic eye painting style it's like hard to make your mind stick to this image so you reach forward and and try to keep a line that like yeah spiritually i'm moving aside vines but like in my vision i'm opening a door you open the door and you know in the prison it is night it is like cold you can you know you're not breathing but like you would be able to see breath there is maybe some moonlight that is coming in through the window when you open the door it is bright daylight and there is like a strong summer's day you can see light filtering down through leaves in this beautiful glade that 
is chillingly familiar to you. You look around and you see an Illimat table. Mm. You see a collection of blooming white flowers that you know to be heart root. You see a throne, a magnificent throne, that you know belongs to your mother. And she is seated upon it. (laughs) Well, I can't talk, so I guess I will do a little... um, just a jaunty hat tip. <laughs> uh, Travis knows uh, hand sign, I think. Yeah. Tra- Travis would know hand sign. Kind of been around 200 years. I think we decided it's just something that he would have picked mm-hmm. up at some point. No, I'm still going to do the hat uh-huh. tip. <laughs> yeah. And you... It's funny. The queen speaks. She moves her mouth. And you realize you aren't hearing because you have not activated Oromar's ears to hear. Mm. Can, can, may I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. You can, as you do, like, you come in the middle of the speech. You look strange, my son. I'll just sign. It's a long story, but I'd gladly tell you over a drink. And with that... Some flowers start to, like, come together and twist, like, in sort of a climbing pattern the way uh, vines might climb a a fence or a tree, except they are wrapping around one another, and they bloom out into a small tabletop, and they twist again into the the form of, like, these just giant like flowers blossom up and they're like tight flowers that are in the shape of a cup and you can see like water and nectar are are, are poured into them from the bottom uh, so they're just like these two, two like flower bloom glasses in front of you and she gestures have a seat I imagine you and I have much to talk about I'll take one of the cups and take a seat. Hey, heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the mid roll. Heroes Campaign Skyjax is about to migrate over to our new host, Megaphone. Now, hopefully, you shouldn't have to do anything in response to that. We are redirecting our old feed to the new feed, so no matter what you use to listen to the show, it should transfer smoothly. However, in case something does happen, you may need to delete your feed and resubscribe. That also means we're going to have dynamic ads on our programs. And yesterday, I posted a bonus episode explaining how the dynamic ads will work and what to do if you hear an ad that you don't think should be on our show. It's only six minutes long. Be sure to listen to it. If you have any questions at all, I believe they'll be answered there. Before we get back to the show, I want to send out a hearty thank you to all of our backers on Patreon. We've got one backer who we've missed. Thank you so much, Nim, for supporting the show. 
we should have a new batch of backer thank yous coming up soon. So if you want to hear your name on the show, head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and sign up to support us. Signing up at the $5 level or more gets you access to cool audio bonus content. That includes the character creation sessions for Douglas Kessler and Zana Kessler, which went up in November. It also includes a brand new Patreon exclusive campaign, Starwall, which is kind of a space fantasy game. And the reason I bring it up here is to play that game, we are playtesting the role-playing system that I hope will one day become the official Skyjacks RPG. If you want to see the ideas that I'm playing with to develop that system, Starwall is the best place. And it's a super fun game. It stars me, Mel, Drew Merzieski, and Allie Grauer, who y'all might recognize from Skyjack's Courier's Call, as we play residents of a tenement that was secretly a spaceship who get lost in a very weird and vapor-wavy version of space. I think if you like this show, you'll like that show as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now then, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Now, we cut over to the crew of the Uhuru. Uh-huh. <laughs> Everyone was partying last night and partying hard to celebrate our dear friend, Jonat Kessler. And, you know, the sort of Sweet 16 celebration that they throw in Acheron, it's the kind of party where you just sort of pass out where you are hmm. and everyone's pretty chill. Maybe somebody walked around with blankets while, while a few folks <laughs> were cleaning up the immediate things that need to get cleaned up. But... We have a group of people waking up near each other. I'm going to ask you all who you are playing. Oh, yeah, we discussed this. Who of, of your various crew characters you're playing? Oh, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Oh, great, great, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, Jerry. I believe I am playing Pliff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Soup boy. <laughs> <laughs> that is a nickname that Pliff unfortunately has to have. <laughs> The uh, fabulous furnace here, Carlos. And Mr. Barry. Whoa! He's back. All right, Bathroom Barry, back from Lightfellow Ranch after the vacation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got back in time for the party and managed still to party enough to pass out where he lay. <laughs> <laughs> what happens? Whatever furniture that you were on um, and I think I will I will be nodos for these scenes. Whatever furniture that you were on that that you you laid down to rest on is here. Whether you know it's like a table or a bench or a pile of hay, it's here, and you, they're all kind of collected around one another. The equipment that you have, everybody has at least a knife or like a you know a small knife like implement because the rule that Gable 
created unknowingly at the beginning of the Acheron arc mm. is we're not taking weapons to dinner, but knives are acceptable at dinner. Mm-hmm. So to be ready for anything, people have knives, but your regular weapons are presumably back on the ship, wherever the ship may be. I'll say uh, Barry did not carry a knife. Uh, he just has a very sharp pa- fountain pen because the pen is mightier than the sword and he's mm-hmm. an artiste. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially in the hands of Barry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Carlos, considering prior to their job as a furnace here, was a brewer. So probably has a couple of bottles of moonshine grog uh, that they've previously made. And a lighter. I guess it's a rope lighter because we don't have like a fuel lighters and setting yeah uh i'm almost afraid to ask johnny what does jerk off jerry have a condition (laughs) (laughs) at least and probably pants with pockets cut out yeah i want to say okay he's got (laughs) uh, a bowl but the bowl does have a hole in it but so it's like you know the thing where you go you like go to the it's like you go to the movie and you stick your dick through the hole in the popcorn so much uh-huh. Uh-huh. but it's a common thing that everybody does yeah, yeah, yeah. he yeah. he's not doing that for real, for real. to get other people to touch his dick mm-hmm. he has that so that he can snack and touch his own dick easily oh that's oh, a fun no. invention <laughs> that's kind of that a fun invention recolors any it's meal that we've ever had with it's for him. Again, it's uh, it's just for jerk off Jerry. Yeah. This is just his personal bowl. And I think if you are eating with him, uh, that's kind of you know what's going on. You yeah, know? you know it's, to you know not to serve him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's I think that's all he has. Noto's definitely uh, as as Gable gave the order like has a knife and everything else was like he's out here for a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Barry also has like a uh, it's like a brand new composition notebook like mm. he's ready he's ready and open to new ideas being <laughs> struck with inspiration and so he has like a new notebook that he's like tied to like a, a, a like a, a satchel and has it like slung over his his side mm-hmm. uh. <laughs> Cliff over the course of the night ended up babysitting like 12 people's drinks they would <laughs> hand it to him can you hold this for me please i just need to go get something mm-hmm. and so over the course of the night he just sat at a table that got more and more drinks that got abandoned by people but he didn't sip any one of them because alcohol makes him it's not that his tummy hurts <laughs> it's that his uh uh, he's afraid of his stomach hurting, so he just avoids <laughs> alcohol entirely, except for the times where he accidentally drinks it because he thinks it's a refreshing water, and then he gets accidentally drunk, and that happens a lot. So he wakes up surrounded by empty glasses, and he feels so badly because he was supposed to protect all of these drinks over the course of the night, and all the drinks are gone, so now he just has a, a, a bunch of skeins and loose glassware that he has and also no coats no shoes because he did fall asleep first of course of course that is a tradition on the uhuru as well looking around you can see that you are just in a a thick area of forest the the ground beneath is 
littered with sticks and small plants, not enough to make the forest bed green itself, but the light that filters down through the leaves is, is quite green. It is warm, it is a summer day, and you have no idea, any of you, where you are. That party was one to remember. Uh, Hold on. What has happened? Uh, Did did we happen to party a little more um, energetically than any of us agreed upon? Uh, I I feel uh, hazy. Uh, I feel like I need to warm up my vocal cords again. Hmm. Well, you're 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 not in theater at the moment, darling. So you can uh, go at your own pace. (laughs) Jane. Jane. Oh no, my bowl doesn't have a hole in it anymore. Oh nope, there it is. I I I don't want I don't want to investigate that. As much as I do want to investigate that further, I know I it's don't. Probably I'll give you one guess what it's for. Investigating where Jane went. Uh, has anybody hmm. seen her? No, I'll go find her. I'll go find uh, Jane. No, Pliff, you, you shouldn't Pliff just gets up and starts walking around. Jane Nodo's like hurries after Pliff. We we must Stay together. We Jane, I've, they've taken my shoes, and typically my shoes are found at the top of the crow's nest. But they knew that I knew that that's where they were, so they've been putting my shoes other places. Jane, Jane, I need my. I don't have socks either. It's going to please, get so please, wet and hey, musty between my please, toes. Jane. Please stop. Please stop. For, for the sake of all of our headaches. Once we find Jane, it'll all be all right. So. I need to find her. Jane! This, this is, this is not right. I remember sleep taking me in, in the heart of Acheron. And there definitely aren't any forests like that near there. Perhaps, yes, perhaps, maybe, maybe a mile away. I, I do remember trees when we landed. But we, we, we rode the carts away from the ship. Let me ask you something. Do you, do you think that maybe it's possible that I'm just dreaming? And this, none of this is real? Um, Carlos goes over and with immaculately manicured to those kind of like sharp point nails. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of uh, uh, jabs you in the shoulder. What'd you do that for? Barry walks over, and with his very finely uh, sharpened pen, he jabs uh, Jergoff Jerry in the other arm. Okay, now uh, now it just seems malicious. Well, if you felt no, that, they would prove a point. You're not dreaming, then, if that hurt. If I have found myself transported to a fantasy within the mind of Jerkoff Jerry, I feel as if I shall lay down and pass away exponentially so as to avoid any further exploration into his psyche. That is a shared sentiment between us both. Yeah, I guess you're right. If this was a dream, things would be going a lot differently right now. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think we, we simultaneously all of us start calling for Jane. Jane, Jane you know, Jane. If, you, if you jerk off in a dream, you jerk off in real life. For the love of God, Jane, stop no, it. For the last stop time, it. you're the only one that that applies to. No, right? it's called it's called a nocturnal emission and it happens to the best of us. You have a condition, I'm, though. Emission. You have a condition. Emission. I often wake up wet, but other people have thrown things upon me. <laughs> of a wet nature and that I just imagine that it is like Carlos's expression actually has a moment of genuine consternation Pliff, I didn't realize other members of the crew treated you that way that's honestly unacceptable oh, I don't think it's purposeful I just happen to be inconvenient and annoying he is tripped on frequently it, again it just happens it is not malice so much as the world is malicious to the idea of my existence. Jane! <laughs> okay, as I see it, we have two options. We can either move together as a group, trying to reclaim parts of the crew, or we divide forces, decide upon a point where we will meet and move in an arcing direction to meet at that point so that we can sweep through the forest. Uh, uh, a point we like, we don't, we don't seem to have any kind of real understanding of where we are. The, the idea of, of splitting up seems like, uh, adding, uh, m- more complications. Yes. Uh, although speaking of working out where we are, you you kind of mentioned that the kind of like light is like dappled through the trees and making it green. Um, mm-hmm. I think Carlos looks at one of the taller ones and uh, give me a second and uh, starts to climb it. All right, so now we are getting into rolling. Mm. This is different. So we do have rules for rolling, and they are based on the crew at full strength. The crew at full strength starts out with two green dice and one yellow die. However, we're just our group. So right now, as our group, we get one green die mm-hmm. um, to everything that we do. However, you can commit your character to the role that you are making to upgrade the dice that you are rolling mm-hmm. with. So... It, what this does is increase the threatened range of your Uhuru death chart roll. So if you fail, each failure counts as one D100 roll on the Uhuru death chart. Mm-hmm. Right now, the threatened, the normal threatened range for the Uhuru death chart is up to 31. And those are for listed out crew members that we mm-hmm. have. You take it to 40 when you commit yourself to one level. You can commit yourself to multiple levels to increase your die rolls. So, for instance, it would become one yellow dice if you commit yourself to two levels. You know what? I'm actually looking at this. I'm going to say instead of starting with one green die, I'm going to have a start with one yellow die. I think that makes more sense. We are Um, competent, even if we're not in number. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that it goes one green, one yellow. One yellow, one green, two yellow, so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and so on and so forth. So, so like, you can commit yourself to multiple levels, but that means any failures that you experience will be threatening you quite a bit, like this character quite a bit. And 
you know, I think it's been a while since anybody's seen the Uhuru death chart. You have no idea how many hit points mm-hmm. you have. But for a lot of characters, it's not many. Well, yeah. This is relatively that, new. Yeah, the odds was... of death are quite high. <laughs> so how much do you want to commit yourself to this, Nathan? Yeah, let's commit to this. I, I think the idea of climbing a tree is not inherently so full of daring do that we need to heavily push ourselves. However, in the discussion that we had previously, I don't think it will be on air by the time that this is on air. I know in a meta sense that this could go very, very wrong. Uh, so I won't push it, but we'll still do the action anyway. So so how many levels was that again? I'm sorry. Not pushing it, just rolling the single yellow. Okay, okay. Against how many? I'm going to make it two purple. Sure. Carlos turns to the tree and tries to climb above the canopy line to see what it can see. Oh, that's just three threats. <laughs> okay. Failure with three threats, I guess. Three yeah. threats, but for success failure, we draw a luminary. Mm-hmm. I'm fanning the cards out, Liz. You can see that this is going to be... Watch his hands. Mm. Watch his hands. Mm. The Forest Queen, that makes oh. sense. Mm. Mm. The Forest Queen makes perfect sense. And we'll establish the rules. I just don't like it here. <laughs> <laughs> This place in this mind state, <laughs> not enjoying myself. Yeah, this is horrifying. Dominance, nature, expectation, and order. I sure. think what it is, Nathan, you can decide whether you succeed or whether you fail. What becomes clear to you almost instinctually if you reach the top of this tree you will have to make a sacrifice or make a promise of some kind Mm. if you fail we're going to be rolling on the Uhuru death chart it will just be one roll okay I think you know uh, one does not enter into the forest queen's domain and then come back unchanged (laughs) And in building this space, we decided that uh, part of the rules of this space is that you cannot get above the tree line. Just don't. Breaks the rules. Yeah. Which is why I tried to do so. Because I am a drama gremlin. (laughs) 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 Carlos climbs the tree. And I think this tree happens to be, like, full of, like pollen-laden blossoms and it like fills the air the higher you go like the density of this pollen gets thicker and thicker as you climb to the point where Carlos breathes in and then can't proceed any further something just stops them from ascending any higher after taking that breath full of pollen-laden air and then has to descend I like that I like that a lot. I will roll on the Uhuru death chart now. 53. Out of range. Out of range. Just barely. Had Yeah. Let's see. And had you committed, had you committed, it still would have been out of range. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Barry is kind of like looks a little confused at Carlos. Uh, did you, 
You get cold feet on the way up there? What's going on? <sighs> Something is wrong with the air. Maybe. Something is like wrong that. with Carlos. No, no. And he jots that down. Ah. Mm-hmm. Something is wrong. Something. He's doing a little notation or anything. I breathe. Some. It's hard to explain, but upon reaching almost to the canopy, I took a breath, and then something changed, and I just had to come back down. Just, I was against the rules. Hmm. Oh, I do stuff that's against the rules all the time. <laughs> all right, then you go. You go then up we'll By all means, climb that tree. Climb the tree. All right. <laughs> um, Jerry climbs the tree with his ample upper body strength. Yeesh. Yikes. One strong, no, one arm notably stronger than the other, unless you're ambidextrous, I guess. Yeesh. Johnny, making this roll, are you committing anything to it? No. I'm just going to go for it. Okay. So you're rolling one, with one yellow. yellow and what's the difficulty? The difficulty is, again, this is hard. I think I can do it. Uh, that is two threats and a triumph. Oh my God. What? Hey, so hey. that that is that nets out unless unless the the <laughs> success that was provided by the triumph is canceled out. That should be one success too. Or did you make that calculation? Because um, a triumph counts as both a success and a triumph. I am doing what the app told me, which is... Oh, okay. So the app did the calculation. Yes. Okay. So that means we draw yet another card. I fan them out in front of Liz. Liz, would you like to pick I'd a card? I love them, but I can't... Mm. I can see them. With, oh, 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 <laughs> with oh, oh. you. The maiden! She's here. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. The three cards that we pulled... In yeah. our forest arc, mm-hmm. were in sequence the changeling, the forest queen, and the maiden. No. Cursed. That's good. Just it's good stuff. I want to be here. I want to be here. Okay. Practicing close up, close up uh, magic. No, I wish I had. Tricks. Okay. I, w- I would love to do card tricks. All right. <laughs> Jinx. Oh, I have no talents. I want to do card tricks. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say that exactly like Pliff. Um, oh. Well, the maiden means kindness. So I think ultimately this means it's, it's like kindness, mercy, and generosity, I believe. This is like a positive result for, for Jerry. You said the other was, was a threat? Two threats. A threat. And a, okay, two threats and a triumph. Jerry, mm-hmm. in climbing this tree, I don't think you are going to get above the canopy. Okay. Um, as, as Carlos stated, as is established, it is against the rules of the Forest Queen. However, you will have, uh, through, through the triumph, through the success and the triumph, uh, and through the will of the Maiden, there is something that is going to allow you to know where the ship is. And the thing that I need to know from you, Johnny, is what is that? Is there like some magical compass that is on Jerry's body 
Is there something about the bowl that he has? Did you just see something through the branches that, that's far enough away? Because this will be a fixed point that you will somehow be able to navigate to. It has something to do with the fact that you climbed above the trees, and it might have something to do with the fact of, like, facts that we don't know yet and just discovered in this moment. Something that is compelling to me is the idea that Jerry does have some sort of compass or um, something magical that points him back to the ship because I like the idea that he, while he does jerk off most of the time, sure, he sure. can yeah. also be a valuable member of the crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, be, right? I think that... I think that whatever it is was something he chose to do to himself and not because because he was like, I, I care about this crew. I want to help and not a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer situation where he had some ability that the crew decided to exploit. Okay, mm-hmm. here's what I like. Um, a thing that I think we established in the world building episodes like like it was either between uh, myself drew aaron katano saez and jeff stormer or one of the world building sessions that we just had together for for one of our places is the quote-unquote retirement system uh that exists amongst corsairs where as you cross certain parallels and thresholds in your service aboard a vessel and like this isn't just corsairs like it's mostly Corsairs, but like other Skyjacks have it too. You get a, a piercing or, you know, something embedded in your flesh that theoretically like is always a part of you if you're you're caught or captured or whatnot, but that could be extracted and worth money. Oh, yeah. So like, you know, at the end of a piracy career... You're, you're full of like earrings and or, or like beneath the skin, like subdermal piercings and whatnot that you can like have cut out. And it's like this is like a couple hundred gold bars worth of material that you could sell and live your retirement. So, uh, so that I like with that and something that has always been compelling to me in the real world that I've heard of not many people doing, but I've heard of people doing is implanting like a small magnet as like a body modification, usually in like yeah. your finger. So I, maybe it's like, Ooh, maybe it's something where like ships have a certain, each ship has a specific like material. There's the heart bell. in, in the heart, like, but the unique to their heart bell when it's like forged yeah. that interacts with, you know, people who, choose to get this sort of payment or whatever will get an implant that reacts specifically with whatever is in the heart bell is it i yeah this is so cool well one thing that we we do have through the document that i've written up on jousting recently is sympathetic bindings um and you know if you're a fan of like the name of the wind series by our good friend patrick rothfuss um that like it, it's a little bit similar to that, but different in like there is energy and attraction being transferred through objects of like make. So whatever I think it is, the tongue of the heart bell, the the, the thing that rattles mm-hmm. around and makes the sound, that is made 
of a very specific composite and alloy of metals. So with your subdermal piercing, like it's almost like a ring with a single ball bearing inside. And that ball bearing is made of the same metal Mm. composite, the same very specific metal composite of the tongue of the Uhuru's heart bell. So like in, you know, you can decide Johnny where it is, but you can like feel in your skin that ball kind of like roll around and like stick in the direction of the Uhuru. That's very cool. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's like, oh, I kind of like the idea that it's on the back of his hand. Um, yeah. So, so that, like, if you if you make, like, he can feel it, so he doesn't really need to look at it. But if you kind of make a fist, you could you could see the, the bearing, like, move under his hand so he could show other people. God, that's so weird and creepy and cool. I love it. I love it. Um, and if you ring the bell uh, hard and fast, it does make your hand go back and forth really, really fast, which I uh, think is really oh, useful yeah. for him. Okay. I okay. mean, well, is it? There it is. <laughs> can it go in the opposite direction? Can you like make the tongue move? Oh, by making, yeah. Every time like, uh, th- you can tell. If, oh no, because then the then the crew would know when. Mm-hmm, it's Jerry. Uh, <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. (laughs) That's great and terrible. I love everything about it. Um, Yeah, yeah. you you fucking would. (laughs) You get a certain elevation into the tree where you can feel the bearing in your hand move. Mm. And, you know, holding your hand up flat, like kind of looking at it, but like you can also just sort of instinctually feel it you know the direction that the uhuru is oh i have i have one small addition please it's on the back of his hand but i think he also has a tattoo on the back of his hand that lines up with this you you know how like under a compass you you know you would like line up a compass it's like that Mm -hmm. so he can kind of turn and line it up so then like Mm -hmm. if he falls under the tree line so that he can't you pick up the 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 you know magnetism or whatever his the bearing is still aligned with the tattoo in his hand so you could still tell the which direction you should sort of go that's really really cool well i i i think kind of what what this must mean is you have the bearing but also in this same implant which is like extremely mechanically complicated and i don't even want to think about the real life logistics of this as a thing i feel like there's also a natural compass yeah you know Mm. like 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 a magnetic compass uh that that you're able to use so it's like you you can see the bearing of the compass and you know which degrees it is versus like the uhuru's direction if that makes sense yeah maybe there maybe there are like just two bearings and one Mm. is one is the compass and one is the heart bell yeah. and oh and they're they're like concentric um rings yeah, yeah on separate tracks yep. underneath you mm. Ooh. god it's cool god that's so cool and i love everything about it oh my god it's a great thing to put on a bad person yes <laughs> <laughs> to make a bad person suddenly inexpendable <laughs> yeah oh so i i also cool. i I do think it would be funny if 
he has this and no one knew. And then he's just like, well, no one asked. <laughs> Every time I talk about my hands, people look away. I'm a rich tapestry of a man. A handful of people would have to know if it's specifically tuned to the Uhuru's heart bell. So uh, whenever you got that put in, that's at minimum, uh, somebody would probably know. But it might I, be a limited. Number I think of it's like just Carl the captain who does it. The, uh, uh, Spit would Spit would absolutely yeah. know. Like this is within Spit's purview. This is like an extreme loyalist move that you would mm. make mm-hmm. for the Uhuru and. You know, there's always there's already the feeling that jerk off Jerry is like kind of in Spitz camp, you know, as we <laughs> we imagine like Nodos and Gable uh, kind of like and Wendell kind of having this block of like the beefy brave boys of the Uhuru. Mm-hmm. There is like the old perverts who are real Captain Oromar loyalists. It's um, sensual. Great. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, but you you get you you shoot that azimuth. You you get the the direction that the Uhuru is going. So you have a point at which you are oriented towards, and the malicious things that could have happened to you in this moment, you are spared in part thanks to the maiden's kindness smiling upon you. Well, and I know what direction the ship is, um, but you are right. It is not allowed to go above the tree line. I, well, it, it's uh, an unusual feeling to be forced to play by other people's rules. I thought the life of a Corsair was uh, specifically getting around that sort of thing. No, I'll tell you, there are all kinds of places where you're not to, allowed to do certain things. Yeah. And I learned that the hard way and the difficult way. Like gravity and thermodynamics, I he they they ignore you. Uh, <laughs> like gravity and thermodynamics, I suppose there are some rules that just can't really be broken. But yeah, I let's not jump to any conclusions. I think we should stay right here, so that if anyone has left and are expecting us to stay right here, we we are, we're their stalwart soldiers, and it'll all be fine. We just need to. Stick around and wait for them to come back. So you want us to stay here in the in the in the the uh, the forest that is not ours? Well, I think obviously our friends left, and if we're not here when they come back, well, they won't be able to find us again. So that's just the safest thing, I think. Wouldn't it make more sense for everyone to make their way towards the ship? Yes, if you find the ship, at the very least, we'll be able to, you know. Ring the heart bell, or do something that would be able to get people. Perhaps attention. even pull the ship into the air. See, she wouldn't have. She wouldn't have left me. So she, she must be away and was expecting me to stay in one place. So she wouldn't have gone. So I can't go away from here because she's not here. So Pliff, Pliff, All right, you, you're trying to say that uh, Jane somehow planned your separation. I. Oh, she always knows what's what to do. So okay. Well, sometimes. Hey, sometimes Jane doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't have all the answers either. <laughs> we're just talking silly now. We're just we're just saying words. Is this really how you operate on a daily basis? You think Jane just knows every, all things? Well, why wouldn't she? Because she's here on 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 just her left and right feet on planet sphere like all of us. She's like a human being, man. With a limited well, scope of knowledge and experience. Uh, well, but he said, she said. 
Carlos goes over to to, to kind of Cliff and puts a, a hand around his shoulder, and uh, there is like something like a perfume coming off them, and then you kind of notice that there's still lots of flecks of pollen across their body, and that seems to be what's emanating this scent. But it is, if nothing else, soothing, very soothing. And in just in your ear, now, now, Pliff, you don't need to uh, be all stressed. I, I don't think Jane would like to see you stressed. You do have all of us alongside. Let's just move together as one unit. Uh, Jerry uh, moves over to Pliff's other ear. Yeah, I mean, if you're stressed, I can think of a way that you could maybe Lips relax and calm down a bit. Just, just let me know if you want me to tell you what it is. I know exactly what it is. Okay. Jerry probably reeks of pollen perfume as well, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a lot. It's like, you know, if a lush store attacked you hmm. directly. <laughs> As far as the ability to navigate the forest goes, we may very well be the only group that is capable. I I know Spit has been in the sky a long time. There is a possibility that he has a similar retirement implant to Jerry here, but the captain, of course... The birds, the birds, if 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 they are out, they, they could also be around. There, there, there's a chance that, that Gable... If any group has the ability to reach the ship, we could, you know, either raise the ship, free the birds. There, there are things that could be done. Because we have that ability, we must take it. I agree. Yeah, I think this is... Yeah, I think Nodos is just talking specifically to Pliff. How about this, Pliff? The four of us will go, and you can stay here all alone. Get some private time. Yeah, jot down your thoughts. He, and he offers Pliff his uh, composition notebook and pen. Just by yourself, your own musings. Does that sound good? We'll see you later, Pliff. Uh, wait, no, I, uh... Pliff hasn't had a thought to himself. <laughs> in a long time oh, and hasn't mm. has not turned inward very frequently oh. and that idea of being alone with his own thoughts is so frightening he runs out in front of everyone else and then just holds a hand up behind him and says Jane always holds my hand <laughs> uh, who's gonna I'll hold your hand <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, a big swallow I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to speed on that. <laughs> I was going to save you from that, but no, no, this is better. <laughs> Pliff, I think as your hand closes around your cuff, Jerry's, you can feel the implant a little bit mm. as your fingers wrap uh. around. I'll, I'll tell you why his hands are smooth, though. You gotta be. A lot of lotion. A lot of lotion, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh-huh. 
So we open uh, uh, with a shot of the kitchen aboard the Uhuru. We can see potato skins like kind of piled up. We can hear, you know, a peeler working. Um, and it is this slow shot that is moving up the the heavily muscular body of Slam in, you know, his his tight little apron. It moves up and then like sort of like flashes around different parts of his body. It's like his hands working. It, mm-hmm. It's the little chef hat on top of his head. But then finally you're confronted with a shot of his face, and he's got the worst facial hair imaginable right now it, it, it's like the most teenage proto mustache that you can that you can picture in your head it's horrible it's patchy and <laughs> nightmarish orma comes in to the kitchen and is like hello lads i uh hope dinner preparations are going smoothly oh oh yeah yeah Sure. Oh, Sam, uh, as always, your uh, potato peeling is uh, so smooth. And eyes follow from potatoes up to Slam's face. But it baffles me. It really uh, perplexes me, mate, that your beard, your chin, can't have that kind of smoothness smoothness as your uh, excellently peeled potatoes. What, what, what do you mean? Well, look, for example, and Oromar runs a zombie finger. It's sanitized, I guess. We're in, we're in a, 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 we have hand sanitizer in this PSA mm-hmm. and just kind of like runs it over the surface of the, uh, the potato and additional foley is put in where it's just this kind of smooth, mm-hmm. like, yep. sound. And, uh, and then on the other hand, and he rubs it down the side. And it oh, is no, like we, we get a delicately like placed slightly on the cheek, almost sensual. And then the finger drags and it just sounds like iron being dragged across a concrete. Floor. Yeah, yeah. Like it is one of those things where we can see each individual hair being pressed down and then flicking uh-huh. up. And it sounds mm. like shattering glass and screeching iron. It is just the most miserable thing. Shot like a horror movie. I think mm-hmm. Toku leans out from like back in the kitchen. I told you, don't touch your beard. <laughs> Can't stand that sound. <laughs> sorry, sorry, it's my 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 <laughs> problem. Sam, mate, I uh, feel that you are a big boy now, and uh, it's time to share a little bit of dad knowledge with you. Uh, oh, I, I, I mean. I, I, I never, I, I'm getting hair in different places than it was before. And that's, and that's normal. I, I, Oromar turns to the camera. Do understand that, uh, Slam is actually in his mid thirties and is very much an adult. And this is not weird. It's uh, the supplements. It's the supplements that I take. Uh, just yeah, that, there we go. That explains the additional hair. Yeah. And in the other places, it's more, I, I mean, I love a hairy chest, me. Can't really maintain mine these days, but love it on other people. But uh, that bit. It's my hairy shoulders, though. <laughs> I like the idea that Slam is growing hair in new places and 
it's weird. The palms of my hands. <laughs> oh, oh, you got well, fingernails too. <laughs> you are definitely not allowed in the kitchen. No, no, no. It's but. okay. I got hair nets on my hands. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jerk off, Jerry is absolutely not food safe. <laughs> Look, yeah, the the hairy palms that we're definitely going to need to shave. Fortunately, fortunately, I. As a resident teacher on Uhuru, teaching these orphans how to do their life skills, I'm in a position to go and teach you how to shave. And waves a hand, <laughs> and just in the kind of like this flag means death, like slightly flowery font, still in the electric pink, shave kind of appears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, adult grooming techniques. Yeah, sure. Uh, one of the orphans bounces up with a little silver tray of various razors. These, uh, these have been freshly sh- uh, sharpened and polished just for your perusal, Captain. Uh, Captain, there are so many different I- implements. How do I know which one is right, f- right, right for me? Well, what you need to do first is that you go and take one and feel it in the palm of your hand. Feel the weight. Feel the aerodynamics of the shaving implement. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. It's shaving Indeed. time. <laughs> There's like upon picking up like one of the one of these uh, shavers, like a little bit of a backbeat kind of comes in. We pick up a different <laughs> one, and this one sounds like a maraca for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're waiting for that steel drum, the, that Jamaican bobsled uh, <laughs> uh, vibe that we're going for. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, now you're feeling it, Slam. <laughs> now you've got now you've got the rhythm with your shaving. Thank you very much, Timmy. You're dismissed. <laughs> and then Bobby runs up and he has a tray and it's filled with all kinds. There's a, 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 a various bowls with creams. There's a, a, a somehow an aerosol can, uh, uh, shaving mm-hmm. cream can. Um, mm-hmm. like, uh, we have plenty of, of cream applications for you, Captain, uh, whichever you're liking. Marvellous. Now, the important thing when choosing a shaving foam is isn't don't the Don't eat it. Also that, you don't oh, eat okay. it. Although, yes. to be oh, honest, no, you no, could no, probably no. eat the can entirely <laughs> slam and it wouldn't kill you. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, these all look delicious. I'm glad that there are snacks involved in shaving. <laughs> well... What was going to build into my point is that you don't eat it, but the most important thing is not the feel of the lava or how much it lathers in your face. It is about the fragrance. Now, close your eyes, Slam. Let the wafting aromas of these shaving foams fill your nose. What do you smell? Okay, sure. Yeah. Bobby uh, takes one and uh, he holds it up to his uh, his face and he does a very delicate blow. So the and we can see the scent travel from the the shaving cream into Slam's nostrils. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I think like we enter Slam's mind palace. <laughs> <laughs> And do like, we get to see Slam's soul? What color is the little orb? <laughs> oh, oh yes. I mean, well, like Slam's soul is b- very, very much. It's I, potato I think a baby blue. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's oh but it's got yeah, it's, it's, got it's like, monster energy baby blue though. Mm-hmm. It's like this little. Bit. 
and we can see it's sort of like the Matrix where we just see the world like rush in around Slam. <laughs> uh, I'm 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 on I'm on a beach. The the sun is out, and my body is is covered in a tanning oil and <laughs> and an aroma. It wafts it wafts across the waves and the sand, and I feel at peace. And we see in the distance, like the ship of the Mariner slowly start to approach from like off camera. <laughs> and then Oromar's like bony hand comes into shot and like wipes. The... <laughs> Let's not dwell on that for too long. The darkness encroaches, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it seems that we have very little time uh, until we need to hit battle stations. So we need to rush through the rest of this shaving process really quickly. All right. Um, Right, who who has the implements for the third step of shaving? Anybody? Uh, we're on a bit of a time pressure here. Uh, uh, the the aftershave. Well, uh, uh, it's it's not prepared. The technology. We only have it in beta testing. Are you sure, Captain? <laughs> God damn it, we're gonna have to do it. Okay, <laughs> oh. now let's come on. <laughs> like hup, ten of hup, ten hup, little boys hup, hup, hup. and little girls just come in and bring in a tray full of the most potent, small, very like powerful green tonic. Yeah, that Ca- Carlos, I think, like comes into the room. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. Carlos's latest invention. Yes, this is my latest invention. I feel that the process of actually using a razor is a little too slow. So what I thought might be a good idea is that we just burn the hair off your veins. <laughs> but it has a minty, fresh smell. Uh, Captain, is that recommended? Shit, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just kind of like picks this thing up, pulls a pin in it like it's a grenade, and just hurls it at Slam. And we get like a magical girl transformation sequence. It's like fire kind of envelops Slam's body, and where once there was like hair on his shoulders and palms and face, like this like cleansing fire moves over it, and his body is like slick and shiny and mm-hmm. somehow freshly oiled on top of that. <laughs> His apron is like caught dramatically in the wind and he just goes, I have the power. Yeah. And you too could have a body as well sculpted and fresh <laughs> like this if you subscribe to my package, Carlos Scaped. For just three bits a month, we send a box of incredibly potent elixirs straight to your door. <laughs> and we, we cut one over and it's a Gable talking to another bunch of orphans. And that is how we avoid getting subscribed to subscription boxes. All right. <laughs> and yes. Yes. Yeah, thank, thank you, Gable. You, Gable. <laughs> All right. That's how it happens. That's exactly how it happens. And remember, don't, don't let ever this happen, this happen again. 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 Oh, that's right. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> don't eat the shaving cream. <laughs> don't eat the shaving cream, but also... <laughs> that's right. We have to... Every PSA ends with don't ever off. let this happen again. <laughs> Can
Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Do you love Star Wars but kind of wish you didn't? Then join us on the Expounded Universe podcast as we read through all the old Star Wars novels that took the galaxy far, far away that you know and love and turned it into a place where Han Solo can punch a giant otter and Luke Skywalker almost gets eaten by a giant gold-plated pillar of Dinty Moore beef stew. Did you like Princess Leia? Well, too bad! Now she's a space racist! Don't believe me? You'll just have to listen to find out on Expounded Universe. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. You can stream his short film, Lining, on the Roku channel for free. Just search for The Shortlist, Summer. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists, and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. And once for our friends near to rise, twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny. The call of the sky